Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. The background here today, uh, obviously for Vacation Bible Adventure and out in the narthex, uh, kind of reminds me, we just got back from a, a road trip with our family. And it's good to be back with you. We were gone for three Sundays, and it's the first time we've done this in a long time. We all drove all the way back, 14 of us from here in three cars, back to uh, Michigan. Spent time in Michigan, up to the Upper Peninsula, across the Mackinac Bridge, and back to Minneapolis with our 23 of us, with our kids from Michigan. Yeah, wow. Uh, 23, five cars, 23 of us back to Michigan. We parted ways in, uh, as we went down toward Minnesota and then uh, back home again. So we had a great trip, saw a lot of things, and of course we planned out our trip to uh, try and hit a lot of the highlights on a road trip. Uh, and uh, one of the highlights we decided this time that uh, Teresa and I talked about beforehand, that we've, we've made this trip, it's been a long time, but back in college we made it several times, and we've done it a few times since, that uh, probably this time we would uh, maybe skip Wall Drug. <coughs> How many of you ever traveled Highway 90 and seen the signs for Wall Drug? Well, if you haven't done that, if you travel Highway 90, about 200 miles away, you start seeing the signs for Wall Drug. And it's a tourist spot. And there's five cent coffee and free ice water. And so we decided this time we'll skip wall drug. But of course, as you get seeing all these signs and we knew that the kids would have a fun time, we stopped at wall drug <laughs> and did the whole thing. And I, I bought a book. We bought souvenirs. It was fun. It's touristy, but it's fun. It's in South Dakota. And, uh, and so we, we went to wall drug and then, uh, so naturally, coming back, we also came Highway 90. So, of course, since we've seen Wall Drug once, of course, we stopped again on the way back. <laughs> the excuse this time was that our uh, grandson, who hadn't seen it from, from Michigan, was with us. So, actually, it's kind of an interesting story. Every chance, next time you ever go there, make sure you read the history. These people were pretty innovative that why Wall Drug is Wall Drug. It's not just a Bartels drugstore, for those of you who haven't been there. It's like blocks of a drugstore that's grown and grown and grown. Anyway, but we saw other important things too. You know, there are historical markers and places to see all along a trip like this. Part of it is to, to gain some sense of history of our country. Of course, we went to Mount Rushmore and Yellowstone, uh, the banks of Plum Creek, um, and other places, the Mackinac Bridge, fascinating for somebody. We've been up there as a family uh, for a long time, we were once before. But anyway, you can see all these markers and historical places and memorials about our story and about our nation. We also, um, in Minneapolis, we I thought it would be kind of fun, decided to do this. My grandparents are buried uh, in Minneapolis at Lake, Lakewood Cemetery. And um, uh, my mother is from Minneapolis. So her parents, my grandparents, my grandfather who lived with us when I was a child for some time, and my aunt who lived with us for a long time were buried there. I thought we'll go there and at least give them this little sense of history, this memorial, connect with our family a little bit. So we all, 23 of us went there, got a group picture uh, at Lakewood Cemetery. Uh, amazingly, found the graves. You know, it's not easy to find graves in a cemetery, is it? You know, you always think you know where they are. 
But now they got an app, and you just follow it and just keep walking. And, and, and the family goes, "No, go this way." We went this way. There it was. So uh, we found we found the family memorial, the family memorial. So today is communion, and uh, I want you to open your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter eleven, because you know we're talking about memorial markers and things that direct you to points in our story uh, as a nation and as a family. And as a Christian family, this is a very important uh, thing we're going to do this morning. We're going to share in, and just so you know up front, if you're visiting with us, if you know Christ is your Savior, you are welcome to share. This is not just for our church. This is for the church, the body of Christ. And you are welcome to share. Later on, we will serve the bread to you and then the cup. And you are welcome to join us in this service as we remember the memorial to our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we go to this passage of Scripture, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we open your word now, we do pray that our hearts would be sensitive and open to your words, and that they will direct us toward you and to how we live our lives for you. We thank you for this uh, church family and those visiting with us today, um, that we can all be together and share as the body of Christ today in this very, very important memorial that we have been asked to participate in. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I chose to, to put up there the Lord's memorial. It's also known as the Lord's Supper. But it, it, took, the, it took place in the context of the Last Supper. And then as the early church gathered for supper, but it is really the memorial, as we'll see in this passage this morning. Also, how many of you ever wished that you could come up and preach a sermon? Are you laughing? It's not, not that bad. <laughs> if you ever thought to yourself, no, I could, I'd like to come up and preach sometime. Well, today's going to be your chance. You kind of hold that thought, okay? Today's your chance to preach part of the sermon today, okay? So hold that thought. First Corinthians chapter 11. I missed you, all of you. Good to see you again. <laughs> Good to see you again. We missed you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the, the passage that we, we read this almost every time we share in communion together. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. And I don't know that I've ever actually preached on it or shared with it before communion. So we'll have a shorter message today as the communion is the message as well. But I just want to remind you, it's in a context. It's a very interesting context. It's really kind of hard to fully grasp and we really don't know you have to fill in some of the blank spots, but in verse 17, let's look, I want to look at the passage before it and after just to give you the context. In the following directives, Paul says, to the church at Corinth, this is a very early epistle to the church that was established on his second missionary journey in Corinth, a very cosmopolitan, urban, diverse community. I think living in the Puget Sound region, we can, we can relate to this. It was very ethnically diverse, economically, politically it was an amazingly diverse place. And the church was established there. And so Paul says to this church, in the following directives, in verse 17, I have no praise for you. Whoa. I told you I missed you, right? Um, but kind of Sabbath can say, I don't have any praise for you or you for me. I mean, this is kind of hard. Wow, ouch. Right? I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, 
For as you eat, each one of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. This is the church now, okay? Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Well, this would be a whole study in itself, and this is all we're told. I don't have any other information that really would help than what's given here, but you kind of get the picture. It appears that, well, we know that the early church, because they gathered on Sundays. Why did they gather on Sunday? Resurrection Day. So they gathered on the first day of the week rather than the last day of the week. They gathered the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection, and it appears they gathered around a communal meal regularly. It was a working day. It wasn't the day off. Uh, it wasn't a Sabbath rest. It was the working day. And so they would gather in the evening after work, after a long day's work, and they would come and have a communal type meal and have their gathering together. And it appears from this passage, right, that there's some serious problems here. Number one, people are being very unruly. Number two, they're being very selfish. And number three, it's the point, I mean, it's hard to really, it's hard to really imagine this, but it's at the point where this has become sort of a drunken fest. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine next time we have an all-church dinner, uh, missions conference? We plan the mission conference. That'll probably be all next all-church dinner. Uh, can you imagine us coming together and a bunch of you getting drunk and carousing and others, you know, with your children and young people there? Wow, what a mess that would be. But it appears, smaller group, this is what they're doing. And they're, and what's happening is they're being very selfish. There are those in this community, in this church community, who obviously are poorer or of less social standing in this particular culture, and they are having to wait and not getting anything to eat, while those who are able to are gluttons and eat everything they can and you got this division. I mean, can you imagine that? We had an all-church dinner and said, well, those of you that are of a certain status and certain income, you're allowed to eat here. The rest of you wait. and Whatever's left over, we'll see if there's anything for you while we get drunk and party. And, and It's a mess. This is the early church. This is the Corinth. And so this is what Paul is saying. I don't have any praise for you. What's, what's, how did it get to this so fast? We need to get this straightened out. We need to get something worked out here and and take care of this, okay? And so, it's in this context that the Apostle Paul gives instructions about what we call communion, the Lord's Supper, the memorial. I would like to just read the last part of it as well. This would take a whole other study, as I'm sure you can imagine. Therefore, verse 27, um, if you eat this bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A person, a man, and a woman ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so we will not be condemned with the world. So when, brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home. So when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. When I come, we'll talk some more about this. Now, I just want to remind you, that's kind of a difficult passage, but I just want to remind you, this is part of the apostolic era. 
Paul was an apostle. He had apostolic authority that we don't have today. I'm not an apostle. And after the apostolic era ended, that authority ended with them because the authority now is the word of God. We have the full word of God, which they didn't have. And so he has a right to, to say this. And so for whatever reason, um, we'll have to just leave it there. He says that some of you are physically in trouble because of what you're doing at the Lord's Supper. Now, of course, we would never go beyond that. And any, any of us, this is for that era, for whatever reason, it may be because of the, maybe it's because of the drunken nature of it, that they've made themselves sick and are, and are, and are, and are actually some have died because of the way they are gluttons and take care of themselves. Whatever it is there, this is probably the apostolic era. Paul has a right to acknowledge that. It's in these bookends that we come to what we call our communion service. And I read this every time we have communion in verse 23. So it's in the midst of this mess at Corinth that he says this to them. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Interestingly enough, this actually may be the earliest record written of this because almost all Bible authorities, evangelical conservative Bible scholars and teachers believe Corinth, the, the Corinthian epistles could very well have been written before the Gospels were actually written and circulated. So that being the case, this may be the earliest actual record of this event for many of the people who actually have this in writing to hear this and to have this spread around in, in Greece at least. Um, of this account that did take place during the life of Christ. So this is very important. And Paul says, I received this from the Lord. And there's some different opinion is, does that mean that he received this tradition from the Lord to the disciples, to him, or did he receive this directly from the Lord? The most natural reading to me seems to be he, he received this from the Lord, and it's because of the nature of what's going on here that, that, that God gives him this revelation says, Paul, write this, you know, you give this to these people. And I received this, and I've passed it on to you. And I want to remind you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was being betrayed, the idea here is, is while he was actually being betrayed by Judas, is when he did this for his disciples and for uh, humanity when we come to the end of the story. While he was being betrayed in the middle of that, this is taking place with his disciples at that last final Passover he shared with them. In verse 24, when he had given thanks, he broke it. Now you'll notice in two of the Gospels it says, when he blessed it. Here it says, when he had given thanks. Which one is it? Well, he most likely is quoting from the Psalms as part of the Jewish tradition for Passover. And as they, as they go through this meal, and they recite various psalms and prayers. Of course, blessed be thou, O Lord our God. And it's a, it's a prayer. It's a prayer of blessing, and it's a prayer that leads into thanksgiving. So the two really are the same here. So when you read that in the Gospels, he blessed it, he gave thanks. It's really the same thing because of that prayer. Blessed be thou, O Lord our God. He took that bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. He distributed it to his disciples and he said, 
This is my body, which is for you. Now, in this context of Corinthians, there is much discussion about the metaphor of the body of Christ and the various parts of the body. This is the, this is the book where he talks about, can the hand say to the feet, I don't need you? Can the ear say to the eye, I don't need you? And then we talk about the body of Christ, where this is further developed in, in Paul's teachings that Christ is the head. We are the body. It's, it's literal um, and, it, and, it's, it, it, and it's symbolic, but it's literal. It really is that we are the body and he is the head. And as the body, we, we work together. But he reminds them, this is my body and it's, and it's given for you. And notice he says, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. When we share the bread together this, this afternoon, this morning, friends, it's in remembrance of Jesus Christ. It's something our church has participated in. Uh, different ways throughout the years. It's something that Christians have participated in all over the world today. We don't have a lot of liturgy in our tradition. I, you know, we understand that. This is one of the things we do liturgically in the sense that it's a, it's a regular thing we do in a certain way. Yes, we serve it a certain way. And we do this because it's, it's part of, part of our story as a church that we are joining with brothers and sisters around the world in all sorts of circumstances and throughout the ages. It is something that we have in common and unites us as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Paul says, this is bread represents my very body, which is broken and given for you. And our Lord Jesus Christ, as his body was bruised and battered and pierced and abused, and put on that cross, and he died that horrible, suffering, painful death. He says, this is for you. This is for you, disciples. And Paul takes this and applies it to the church and says, this is for you. This is for me. This is why we do this. Verse 25. In the same way, after supper... He took the cup. There's some different discussion. There's a, there's a series of cups in Passover. The cup of suffering. This may be the third cup that was taken for the night. Uh, after supper, he took that cup. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And of course, it was a cup of wine. We serve grape juice. It was a cup of wine. And he said, this cup is representative of my blood. Can you imagine the disciples at that Last Passover, trying to, trying to process all of this. He's been telling them he's going to die. They're in Jerusalem. They have seen the crowds. They have, they have seen the enthusiasm. They have heard people proclaim uh, he's the Messiah. And w- they're trying to process this. He said, this cup represents my blood. My blood. This cup represents the new covenant in my blood. And the word here for covenant is the Greek word that translates the Hebrew and the Greek translation about the word covenant, this pact that God made with humanity. There are several covenants in the Old Testament, several. Covenant with Abraham, covenant with Moses, covenant with David, covenant with Noah, the coming new covenant with the house of Israel that we read about in Jeremiah 31-34. through 34. 
I like to think of this here because Paul refers to this and Paul later refers to himself as ministers of the new covenant. That this is the, this is the overriding. I think of it like an umbrella, like a dome. This is the overriding covenant in his blood under which all these other covenants find their place. This is the new covenant. This is what everything in history has been pointing toward in God's plan of salvation. This is, this is, this is the focal point of history. The death on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ where His blood is shed to cover sin. This is the new covenant. This is the covenant in my blood. And hence Paul is a minister of this new covenant. And again, I want you to notice as he says this here. He says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of of me. This, friends, is a memorial service. This is those headstones and memorials to my family. Markers across the country are reminders and, and memorials. This is a memorial of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, we are to do this. Paul says, I've been given this. Corinthians, I'm trying, let's, let's, let's take a step back from this glutton mess of a party you've turned us into. Let's take a step back and remember why we're here as a body of Christ. Why are we to treat one another with respect and love and compassion? Why there should not be divisions? Why there should not be greater and lesser? I mean, think of it in this early church. Think of the the adjustments that had to be made. This is a time of slavery and servants. And this is a time when when they come together and master and slave, when they come together in church, are all of a sudden equal. Maybe the servant or slave is gifted as a teacher over the master. Who knows? I mean, think of the adjustments that are, that are having to be made for this new this new union, this new equality, where there's no male or female, or bond or free, Jew or Gentile. We are all equal in Christ. Amen? Think of that. And so Paul gets in the step back and says, now remember why we are doing this. And he says this finally, he says, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Here's your chance to preach the sermon today. Look what he says. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Listen, friends, that's the word for preaching, proclaim. This is an acted sermon. When we share in this cup today, when you share in the bread and when you share in the cup, you are acting out the proclamation, the message today, the sermon. This is an acted out message. Here's your chance to proclaim. When you re- when you receive and you participate, you are making a proclamation that if you choose to do this, if you choose to do this, you are making a proclamation. You are making a, a sermon and you are agreeing that the death of our Lord Jesus Christ is the focal point of God's salvation story and, of course, connected with the resurrection while we meet on the first day of the week when he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death and was able to offer to all, all, men and women, boys and girls, young and old, ethnicities, whatever state of, all forgiveness for sins, and eternal life as they share and experience the love of God. So you are going to proclaim and share the sermon today. And the language that Paul uses here really says, 
you are to continue to do this. I'm going to invite our ushers, our elders, sorry, our elders forward at this time. And with those thoughts in mind, I'm going to ask you to proclaim with us and make a choice to proclaim that you agree and you believe that Jesus really did die and shed his blood so you could have forgiveness for sins and eternal life and the hope of the resurrection and to share with the Lord Jesus Christ and his family from all time and all over the world in celebrating, worshiping, and serving him. He says, do this until I come. We're going to pass out the bread to you first. And what I'm going to ask you is the elders share this with you. If you would just take one and just hold it and just meditate quietly for a moment, would you please? And then we will share in the bread that represents the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we take, receive the cup together, uh, Michael Green, the author, uh, shared this. I thought this was really good. When we think about communion today. We look back to the cross. We look inward. Paul says, examine yourself. When you come to this, he says, Corinthians, this mess you got yourselves into, take a step back, examine yourself. Look inward. Look up. This is fellowship with God as a family. We are fellowshipping together with God. Look around. We are fellowshipping with one another, with others. And as I said, with our brothers and sisters throughout the world, we are fellowshipping together. Look forward to Christ's coming. Do this until I return to you. And look outward to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity as a family of God, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, to rise above all the division and stuff going on in our world today, right? Now, we are not a political body. We are the body of Christ. And we should be able to rise above this and proclaim together the compassion and love of God, the kindness extended to all, the message of salvation. And we should be able to live this out and exhibit this. We have this opportunity as the church, the body of Christ, to rise above this and point toward Christ. The Apostle Paul says here, I like this so much, what the Lord gave him to say. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. Let's be that body of Christ. Let's demonstrate to the world what it means to be united under the banner of the covenant of his blood and to share in his love and blessing. We're going to send, at this time share the cup with you. Again, if you would just hold it for a moment. Use this time while the elders are serving it to meditate and give God thanks for your salvation. Thank you for sharing that music for us to meditate 
the song that uh, Faith played in her violin. What was that song? Were you there? Were you there? I have to confess my uh, taste of music. One of my favorite renditions of that was Johnny Cash. <laughs> were you there when they crucified my Lord? We were. We were. The Apostle Paul is a very important part of his teaching throughout his epistles that we are in Christ. And he tells us in Romans chapter 6, Do you not know? You were buried, you you died on the cross, you you were buried with Christ, and you have been risen with Christ. We participated because he did it on our behalf. And if you're here today, before we share this cup together, I just want to make sure you understand the way to receive forgiveness for sins and eternal life is through simple faith in what we are talking about today. Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for your sin. He rose from the dead victorious. And he offers to you forgiveness if you will receive his payment for your sin. And you will be there. And you will have been there at the cross of Calvary. Were you there? I ask you that today. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. I'd like to ask you to share in the sermon today and act it out with me by proclaiming and preaching the death of our Lord Jesus Christ by drinking this cup to remind us of his shed blood. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these few moments we can spend together as a collected family of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a humble people. Lord, we do not deserve your grace and forgiveness and love, but you have chosen to shed it abroad in our hearts through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do this as our brothers and sisters throughout history have done on the first day of the week because it is Resurrection Sunday. We worship you, a God of new beginnings, as you began with Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and through all the stories and through our Lord Jesus Christ. God of new beginnings. Whatever has taken place this last week in our lives, the challenges, the difficulties, the mistakes, the joys, the celebrations, we start anew today, first day of the week, with the God of new beginnings. We look forward to sharing with you. We're going to have an exciting week at the church this week, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open the hearts of boys and girls to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for those that know him, they'll be encouraged to walk with him, to serve him. As the camps are taking place this week and next week, We pray again your Holy Spirit will work in the lives of our young people in a miraculous way, Father, as we celebrate and share together the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our blessed Redeemer. And all God's people say together, Amen. Today we're going to have our closing song at this time now. Worship team coming up. Would you please stand with us as we sing together. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus. Isn't that great? What a sweet phrase.
bring it to the Lord in prayer. You know, any, on any Sunday that you have a prayer need, you'd like to just share in prayer, ask someone to pray with you. The, the men that were up here today are our elders, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Gary, myself. We would be more than happy to step aside and pray with you. In fact, uh, this morning, Kevin, if, if you're available just for a few moments, if anybody has a prayer request today, you'd like to just share with somebody, uh, with the pastors, or if you'd like to come and know more about asking Christ in your heart, I'd invite you to just come down. Kevin's right over here. He'll just stay for a few minutes and come down and just uh, share your prayer burden, and uh, we, will, we will pray that pray for you with that as pastors. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless each one of you. Thank you for coming and sharing our service today. Amen.